Our Old Testament scripture lesson this morning comes in the book of Psalms, chapter 19, verses 1 to 4. Hear the word of the Lord. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
simplest of all love songs I want to bring to you. So I live my words with you. Jesus, I am so in love with you. in the morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, I like that. It's good to be here. And I'm grateful for the opportunity to uh, help out Randy, my friend, for so many years. Uh, what he did not tell you is that uh, we knew each other uh, when we were kids living in Kalinga. I don't know if you know where Kalinga is, but it's, uh, halfway, it's uh, halfway between... Uh, Los Angeles and San Francisco along Interstate 5. Uh, about the turnoff is Harris Ranch, which means that it's the only exit on Interstate 5 from San Diego to Canada that you can actually smell before you see. <laughs> but it also means that we are the um, metropolitan center of California, of which Los Angeles and San Diego and San Francisco are but suburbs. So you just need to know that. We consider ourselves the Metropolitan Center for California. Hey, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to preach. This morning the uh, text comes from uh, the book of Matthew. And uh, some from the first chapter, some from the last chapter. Listen to the word of the Lord. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just, and un, uh, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things... Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, 
Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear you a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, uh, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now from the last chapter of the book of Matthew, reads this way. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Even after the resurrection, some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, as you go wherever you are, Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let us pray. Lord God, thank you for this chance to be together. I thank you for these people. I thank you for that. You have invited us to join you in this place at this time. Help us to quiet our hearts so that we may hear your small, still voice. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts together not only be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, but challenge us in those places where we need to be challenged to comfort us in those places where we need to be comforted, that you will affirm us in the places where we can be affirmed. And Lord, I pray that you will hide me behind you because I know that it is you whom they have come to hear. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. A few years ago, there was a quirky little movie that was released uh, the critics hated it, and I love it. It's a little movie uh, called Collateral Beauty. It has an all-star cast. It features people like Helen Mirren, um, Kate Winslet, uh, Kira Knightley, Edward Norton, and the lead actor is Will Smith. Will Smith uh, and Edward Norton had started this uh, advertising company in New York City. They are celebrating an anniversary, and they're celebrating the uh, first thing in the morning. And uh, Howard, who is played by Will Smith, comes to address the troops, to urge them on. And this is his speech to them at the beginning of the movie. What is your why? Why did you get up this morning? Why did you eat what you ate? Why did you wear what you are wearing? Why did you come here 
other than the fact that I would fire you if you didn't show up. But no, that's not the why I'm talking about. We are here to connect. Life is about people. Advertising is about illuminating how our products and our services will improve people's lives. Now, how do we start? Love, time, death. Now, these three abstractions connect every single human being on earth. Everything that we covet, everything that we fear not having, everything that we ultimately end up buying is because at the end of the day, we long for love. We wish we had more time, and we fear death. Love, time, death. Church, why did you get up this morning? Why did you eat what you ate? Why did you wear what you are wearing? Why did you come here at this place at this time? The fact that you are here this morning at this place at this time says something really good about you. It says something to the rest of the world, what it is, is that is important to you, what it is you value, what is significant in your life. And I will tell you that makes you exceptional. It makes you exceptional because you are the exception to the rule. The rule right now is that most of America have already voted, and they're not in any church. The number of people who are worshiping on any given Sunday is less than half, way less than half. In California, we are one of the most unchurched states in the nation. I come from San Francisco. We are like number three in the nation. No, we are number one. I take that back. You will find a lower percentage of people in the church on a Sunday morning in the Bay Area than anywhere else. We are number one in terms of people who uh, identify as being Christians. Never fear, San Diego's ranked seventh, so we're, you're not all that far behind. But why are you here? What is your why? Why did you get up this morning? Why did you eat what you ate? Why are you wearing what you wear? Why are you here? It's important. What we are doing here is important. And I think a lot of people have dropped away from the church because it has become not important. They have walked away from faith. Faith seems irrelevant to them. And what I want to do this morning is to help us understand and get what it is that we bring to the world that is unique. Something we offer that no other faith or religion offers. And if we can have clarity about that and have confidence in that, and if we are willing to share that, it will change your life on a day-by-day -day basis, and it will change the life of this church. I think one of the things 
one of the reasons why the church is declining in terms of church attendance and participation is that we have lost sight of our mission. Why do we exist? We were charged, in the, last, uh, in the second text, we were charged with a commission. It's known as the Great Commission. Jesus didn't call it that, but it's how we understand it. Therefore, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, as you go, wherever you are, make disciples. That's our charge. It doesn't say be disciples, although that's a good thing to do is to be disciples, but he's also encouraging us to make disciples. And he tells them exactly how to do it we, and where to do it. We do it wherever we are as we go. We do it by baptizing people in the name of Jesus Christ. We do it by teaching people to obey all that God has commanded us. That is our focus. And it's through that lens in which we need to understand why, and to examine why we do what we are doing. I think another reason is because um, we've lost sight of one of the uniquenesses about our faith, and that is what is known in, in faith as, um, theologically, as the incarnation. That sounds like a really fancy word, and in some ways it is. It's a word that we don't usually use when we go and have coffee at Starbucks. Incarnation really is an is a understanding that God so loved us that he chose to be with us. Our text this morning was that God uh, loves us so much that he left heaven in the person of Jesus Christ and he went out of his way to be with us. And in a sense, to be one of us. There is no other religion in the world in whose leader has claimed to be God or that God has, or they are God who have come out of heaven to be with us. That is unique to us. We are that important to God that God wanted to be with us. And at the very end, so God came and Jesus Christ, his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means what? God with There you us. are, right? You're tracking with me. God with us. And at the end of the gospel, therefore, really showing how important this is to the apostle Matthew, he includes Jesus saying to them, authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, may, as you go wherever you are, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. Hey, folks, we are not at the end of the age. We are before the end of the age. It means that Jesus is still with us. God is still with us. God is with us in this place right now at this time, but God is still with you when you leave this building today, when you go home, when you go shopping at 
Safeway or Savemar or whatever grocery store you go to. When you go to work, God is with you. If you go to school, God is with you. When you take a walk in the park, God is with you. God is with you. And that is the thing that is part of our foundation of our faith that is not a part of a foundation of any other faith. It's a part of the foundation in which we can stand on firmly. And it should give us confidence about who we are and what we believe because God is with us. You know, if we were to take our lifestyle today and our culture and uh, the things that we have, uh, we might have read this, the Bible very differently. Interestingly, the Bible does not say, God so loved the world that he tweeted us. God, the Bible doesn't say, God so loved the world that he sent us an email. The Bible does not say, God so loved the world that he left a text message. The Bible does not say, God so loved the world that he left a voice message. God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son, Jesus Emmanuel. And not only is that a fundamental truth, there is life and power and significance in that. I, uh, one of the hats that I've worn over the last uh, 19 years, actually, I, I will tell a little bit about my son, Tyler. Tyler graduated from high school in 2003. In 2001, he, we asked, his mom and I asked the basketball coach uh, if he could serve as the team manager. He has been so embraced by the coaches and by the team, he is still the team manager 19 years later. And I've had... <laughs> So I've hung around that program for about 19 years, and I've had the privilege of coaching uh, at the varsity level uh, that basketball program, and uh, had the great fortune a couple of years ago to actually competing for the state title in Sacramento. So we made it all the way to the end. We didn't win it, but uh, we were within five points. I remember when I first started coaching, we actually had buses that would take us to games. We no longer have buses because we're poor in Walnut Creek. I don't get it, but... Um, but I remember the kids would get on the bus, the players would go to the back of the bus, they would uh, each had their own seat, and they would all put their bats against the window. And the coaches would be sitting up front, and somewhere along the way, I noticed how quiet it was in the back. And so I got up and walked back there, and what are they doing? They are sitting with their backs to the window, doing this with the phone in their hands. And I said, what are you doing, guys? And obviously, they were more interested in what was in the phone. But what I came to learn was that they were actually texting each other. <laughs> they are eight feet away from each other, and they are texting each other. And finally, I say, hey, put the phones away. When the day comes that you can show me that we're playing basketball, and you're running down the court in transition, you pull out your phone to text each other what each other is going to do, then you can use your phone. But in the meantime, talk to one another. 
learn each other's voices. That's an important thing about incarnation is being present to one another. Jesus said in the Gospel of John, and you'll, you'll probably come across this in the sermon series coming up, Jesus is the, said, I am the good shepherd. And then it goes on to say that the sheep knows the voice of the shepherd. And you cannot know the voice of the shepherd if you never talk to him or you never listen to him. Talk to one another. And if you talk to one another, you have to be present to one another. It is important to be with one another. And there is power in that. And there is significance in that. I've been having a running conversation with folks at Fuller Theological Seminary. I had the amazing, uh, unexpected privilege of serving the kingdom of God at Fuller for 15 years up in Northern California. Recently, the way of education is moving more and more into technology that you can actually take most of your classes online. You never have to show up on a campus. You never need to see a classroom. You never need to see a professor. Recently, Fuller has approved a, a way in which you can earn the Master of Divinity degree, which is the degree you need in order to be ordained in the Presbyterian Church. Randy and I were roommates in, in uh, seminary until I got married, and, you know, I got the better deal. Uh, I abandoned him. <laughs> I have never forgiven him. <laughs> but, where was I? Fuller. Oh, Fuller, there we are, there we are. Fuller's approved a way to get the MDiv degree online. And I told, and I've been fighting that and uh, talking with everyone I, I could. And I kept telling people, one of these days I'm going to talk to the president of Fuller Seminary about my concerns for that. The president, his name is Mark Laverton, and he happens to be a friend, not a close friend, but, you know, we, can, we see each other, recognize each other, and we have this conversation. And so I saw him about five weeks ago, and I shared with him my concern that I understand that, it's cheap, that all of education is going that way, and Fuller's just following suit. We're, we're last to come to that table. But in terms of ministry courses, the ministry division, I think it's really important for students to be in a classroom with one another, with a professor, because so much of ministry is about incarnation, about being present to one another. And I said, Mark, you and I lost a good friend a few years ago. His name was Steve Hayner. He was the president of Columbia Theological Seminary at the time, and before that, he was president of InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. Mark was invited to go back and to lead the memorial service. And I said, Mark, you know, if you were to follow the direction that Fuller and all of education is going, it should have been just fine for you to lead that memorial service in Pasadena from the studios at Fuller Seminary. But I suspect that his wife, Cheryl, would not have appreciated that. And that it would not have been as meaningful and important. He went out of his way to be there. I went out of my way to be there because it's important to be there. I know that personally because several years ago, 14 years ago, uh, I lost my mom. I lost my dad 16 years ago. The memorial service was in Kalinga. I have a good friend, his name's Jim Swega. He's about 6'3", 
three, probably about 300 pounds now, uh, big boy, Samoan. And he was living in Wells, Nevada at the time. Wells, if you don't know where Wells is, it's the last town out of Nevada going to Utah. I mean, it is really in the middle of nowhere. Jim jumped in his car, drove to Salt Lake City, which is a couple hours away. Jumped on a plane to take a flight to San Francisco. Jumped on a different plane there to go to Fresno. Rented a car and came to Kalinga. I can't tell you one thing he said to me. I can't tell you one thing he did for me. What I do remember is that he went out of his way to be with me. And I feel really indebted to him. There was power and strength that I got because Jim went out of his way to be with him. The lesson here is that we follow a God, an incarnational God, and he asks us to be involved in incarnational ministry, which means we have to participate. God works through us to one another. And it's important to be with one another. It is important to be as faithful as, as we can to the person who's in front of us. One of the things I learned from Steve Hayner, the person who died, I mentioned, he said, all I've wanted to do in my life is to help the person in front of me take the next step of discipleship. That's all he wanted to do. I think it's a wonderful way of life. Be present to the person in front of me and, and ask, God, what is it that you want me to, to share and to do with this person to help them take one step closer to you? I want to end with a story. Her name is Jean. It was when I was teaching for Fuller. Uh, she had called me. She has e emailed me in the uh, winter of 2013 or 14. 13. And uh, she said, hi, my name is Jean. Uh, I'm planning to uh, register for your class, uh, but you need to know something about me. I had a major injury in the summer and hurt my back. So I laid out of school, took a class, uh, didn't go to school in the fall, took a class online during the winter, and this is the first class that I'm signed up to take uh, since my injury. You need to know that I'm going to sit in the back of the class, I'm going to bring my yoga mat, I'm going to be standing, I'm going to be walking, I'm going to be laying on the floor, and if that's a distraction, let me know and I won't take the class. And I wrote back to her, and I said, I'm just laughing because I said, hey, Jean, I understand, and you will not be a distraction because I am the biggest distraction in class. I'm the one who's walking around. I'm the one who's pacing. I'm the one who's talking. I'm the one who's gesticulating. I'm the one, you know, I'm the bigger, bigger problem. So please come. The class was set up to uh, meet all day, five Saturdays, every other Saturday. We go from 8 o'clock in the morning till 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And one of the first things I do is to have students introduce themselves to each other. Where are you from? What's your home church? How long have you been at Fuller? Which degree program are you in? Why are you taking this class? And so we did that, and Jean got, you know, didn't get up. She was standing in the back of the class, and she introduced herself. As she finished, I recognized that she did not let her fellow students know why she's standing in the back of the class. So I retold the story about her sending me an email and said that I would be the, the biggest distraction, but 
It's because of her injury that she's standing in the back. And as I'm doing this, all of a sudden I'm going, dummy, this, I'm teaching a class on pastoral theology. We have an opportunity here to practice pastoral theology, not just talk about it. So then I, I, I said, you know, before we leave for lunch, I want us to gather around Jean. I want us to lay hands on her, and we are going to pray for healing. Now, you need to understand a couple of things here. One is I do not have the gift of healing. I don't think I've ever prayed. In fact, I, I got to a place of thinking, you don't want me to pray for you for a healing because it, it never works. But I said, you know, we're going to pray for healing, not because I have the gift, because I don't, but because we are called to pray for one another. And so we did. Right before lunch, we all gathered around her. We laid hands on her. In all honesty, there were only two students and me who prayed. But we did it. We're faithful. Did it. Went to lunch. Came back uh, for the afternoon session. Jean comes up to me, tears in her eyes, I mean, streaming down her face, and she said, I just spent the last hour in the back of my van, curled up in a fetal position because I was in so much pain. But I'm so grateful, I'm so touched that you prayed for me. I said, Jean, it's, it really, it's what we're called to do, nothing, nothing more. Two weeks later at the next class, before the afternoon session, she comes up to me and she says, I am so thankful. When I think about the kindness that you showed to me by praying for me, thank you. I said, Jean, it's what we're called to do. Two weeks later, she comes to me right before the afternoon session and she says, you know, you probably ought to know that I haven't felt this good since my injury. I go, okay. Two weeks later, she comes to me with a big smile on her face. She says, I think I'm healed. Unbelievable. I don't have the gift of healing. That was really only the, no, it was the first time that that's ever happened. She graduated from Fuller this year. I went to her graduation. I only heard about it that morning. And I showed up, and she was so glad to, uh, to see me there. And we began to talk, and I, and I said, I tell your story over and over and over again. And I tell people that had that been a class online, that would not have happened. Even if she was in the class, and I would say, We're gonna, those of us in the class are going to lay hands on her, and the rest of you can reach out to your computer screen. It feels so artificial. And she corrected me. She said, it would never have happened. Because I would have taken that class online through a computer screen. And I never would have told you of my situation. I would have hidden behind the computer screen. And she corrected me. Friends, you have that ability you don't have to be a superstar. You don't have to be super gifted. You don't have to just be there. Be the incarnational presence of Jesus and be faithful. Pray for one another.
Because if you will do that, God will do amazing things, things that you never would expect. That is the promise, and that's the adventure for us, waiting for us, if we will dare to live it. Let's pray together. God, you are an amazing God. And so often we do not take the time to think about all the ways you are amazing. Amazing in this world, amazing in our personal lives, but also amazing in terms of this church body, this community of faith. I pray, Lord God, that people, every person who leaves this church this morning, have a solid grasp of the reality of the incarnation and how important that is in terms of our understanding of who you are and who Jesus is, but also foundational for the kind of life you want us to lead. And so I, am, I offer each and every person sitting in this sanctuary today to lift them up to you, that you will put them in the palm of your hand and that they will know intuitively and sense your presence with them because you have promised to be with us always and to live our faith boldly, proudly, and publicly to the glory and honor of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who makes this possible. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen.